I wish. I wish I could see my dad. I wish my family could be together for Christmas. I wish I had a dolly. A new dress. A new dress. A soccer ball. I wish I could have my mom. I wish my dad could play catch with me. 2.7 million children have a simple wish this Christmas. To feel special. To feel remembered. To feel loved by a parent who's far away. You can help. It starts with a gift. A simple present from their parent reminding them they are loved and not forgotten. And the gift of knowing the love and support of their Heavenly Father. This calls for believers to take action. So while mothers and fathers are behind bars, kids are left behind, families torn apart. This calls for churches across America to rise up and deliver gifts to children on behalf of parents in prison. You and your church become the hands and feet of Jesus. You deliver God's love and bring hope to those who need it most. Families are restored. Children find joy. Parents experience God's grace. It starts with a gift. Since 1982, Angel Tree, with the help of thousands of churches across the country, has reached more than 9 million kids with a gift, the gospel, and a message from their incarcerated parent. These 2.7 million kids need to feel their parents love this Christmas, and they need to know Jesus loves them, starting with the ones right here in your community. It's simple. It calls believers to put their faith into action. It inspires you and your family to live out the real meaning of Christmas. You bless the child of a prisoner with a gift and the good news of Jesus Christ. Every child has a story. Every child has a wish. Every child deserves a chance. It starts with a gift. It starts with you. This Christmas, change the life of a child forever. to make a difference in families' lives this year again. In the past, we have been able to serve anywhere from 10 to 20 families. This year, we are serving 15 families, 28 children. We've been given the names of 28 children to bless this year. We have four families that are returning who have been come to Creekside for the past this Summer, one family is returning for the fourth time because this is a ministry that Olivet was involved in. And we have one mother that has just been released from prison. So she and the family has just been reunited. They are planning to come and to our Christmas party that we are going to have December 6th. I get a little teary-eyed when I'm watching this or when I start thinking about Angel Tree or other ministries, visiting the homeless, the shoeboxes, how we can reach out to others. It's just, I, I just, God uses us in so many different ways. I'm going to ask you to please join the small group that has started the Angel Tree this year and help us, come together, help us to bless these families this year. I want to thank right now, I'd like to thank Myrna and Bev 
and Karen for coming alongside, Bob Vaughn for coming alongside. We've called families, contacted families, and gotten them, gotten the confirmation they want to come join us, they want to be here, they want to receive the gifts. After the service, there will be angels on the tree that is lit up in the back of the fellowship hall. You'll be able to come and get an angel from that tree. Let us know who is taking the angel so we can know who it is that has the specific name. And then you go out and you purchase a gift in the amount of $15 to $25 for this child. These are gifts that the parent, incarcerated parent, has asked us to give to the child. One mother, when I called her, she said, I can't believe he's actually thinking like that. He really is in, starting to become in tune with our family. Changes are being made through Angel Tree, and we can help promote that change. God can use us. We had a, fa a grandfather that called, Christmas, called me Christmas Eve last year and thanked me because the family was able to reunite through Angel Tree. They had been estranged. The, the grandparents of the, of the incarcerated parent had been estranged from the other parent. So they were able to reunite with their children due to what you did last year. So thank you. And let's do that again this year. We need some help. We don't have it all together yet. We're going to have a party December 6th. That's quickly approaching. So I'm going to need some help. We're going to need people to help us to um, to actually set up the tables for the party. We're going to have a few tables to set up with over 40 people coming to visit us. like to have folks come and just hang around and just visit with these families. Just visit with them. We'll, they, they just want to know that people care and we can show how we care and God's love to them. God, we can be the conduit for his love. I also need uh, looking for donations for fruit baskets. We want to give each family a small little bag of fruit. We also would like to, I need someone maybe come alongside and plant a craft and we'll get that going and the kids so enjoy. Last year they made a, an ornament they took home. Even the, even the caregivers joined in and made the, helped make the craft. So you can be a part of this and I'd like to invite you to be a part of it. I'll have a sign-up sheet back by the Angel Tree uh, station back here in the corner. Come see me and talk with me after the service. Hope you can join us this year. Thank you. Thanks, Marge. That's awesome. Yeah, give her a hand. As we sing these next few songs, the offering's going to come around. If you're a visitor, you're our guest, so that's not for you. But what you can do is just take the uh, visitor's tab of your uh, bulletin, fill it out, and give it to us in the offering as it comes around because we want to get to know you better and answer any questions that you may have. So let's pray together. God, again, we thank you that you are king and that you are uh, majestic. God, thank you for the snow and the beauty in it. Um, and you created that. You are a creative God. And um, God, I, I just pray that you, in these moments now, as we give back to you, would create um, just a, a new experience with you, God, just um, that we would rest in your presence. We love you, God. And uh, we, we need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm sorry, before we get started, while we were singing, I was a little distracted. To me right now, it looks like Raleigh's really lonely. Have you guys seen this section right here? It's like just Raleigh. I mean, you, you guys are together, but he's all by himself. So if there's somebody that's willing, maybe Matt go over there and sit by Raleigh, but he looks lonely to me. And I'm going to be distracted by that this whole message. I'm going to try not to look. I don't know what's wrong with this section right here, but look at the whole church and look right here. So I don't know. Do I spit in that direction? I don't All right. Uh, oh, that's what I'm trying to do, convict people. So uh, first s- snowy Sunday, two weeks from Easter, or <laughs> Thanksgiving, <laughs> two weeks from Thanksgiving, sorry. Uh, so naturally, snowy Sunday, two weeks from Thanksgiving, naturally we're talking about Palm Sunday this morning. Uh, that's, you know, that's what we would see typically the time of year where we talk about this. Obviously, it's not. It's a little unconventional what we're doing this morning, but we really are talking about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Uh, we don't claim to be a conventional church. I think that's good. We try to do things a little outside of the box. What this gives us an opportunity to do, well, uh, it's, it's where we fell in Mark. That's where we are. But uh, it also gives us this opportunity after we go through the Christmas series um, to the next few weeks to show you guys the story in between Palm Sunday and Easter. And a lot of times what churches do is you have Palm Sunday and then you have Easter. And then we don't get the in-between. And so we're going to continue on through the story. So you get Palm Sunday in November, which I guarantee you we might be one of the only churches in the United States preaching uh, about the triumphal entry this morning. But that's cool. It's cool. So we've got a good opportunity to hear the next part of the story in Mark as we continue to go through this series. So uh, I have to apologize about, that's what I was making sure it was up there. I have to apologize about the title of the, the message. Mike's really creative. And so for you guys to know how it works, about you know, two, three days into the week, he texts the speakers and wants to know, you know what we're thinking as far as the title. I'm never prepared for that. And so I have to push him off and then I, I'm thinking through it. I'm not real creative. Mike's real creative. I'm not creative. So I have to apologize. I was raised on old musicals. So all I could think of was The King and I when it came to this message. It kind of sounds stupid, I know. Deal with it, all right? That's all I could come up with. That's all I got. But truly, when we're talking this morning, this applies to what we're trying to go through. We're going to talk about our king, the real king. And then we're going to talk about our response to that king. And so um, this morning, I want you guys to view, I want you guys to look at this openly because I'm going to challenge us uh, in an area we don't normally look at when it, ta- when it comes to, uh, to Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. At least something that I've never been challenged with when it comes to that. And so what I was trying to picture throughout the week as I'm studying this is my perspective of a king. I think a lot of times, well, for those of us that have kids, maybe our perspective of a king is the Disney king because we see all of these kings throughout Disney, uh, Disney movies. My wife's probably, that's probably her perspective of a king. But when we picture a king, we, we picture a crown, a robe, a throne, all these servants around them, parades, uh, armies, 
you look at King Arthur, King David, they were mighty warriors. And so our perspective of a king, if we're truly looking at what we think a king looks like, is nothing what our true king looks like. And so as I'm studying this week, I'm trying to look at, at Jesus as king. That's not something I focus on. A lot of times I'm focusing on my Savior, my Lord, uh, this, the Son of God. And I'm not focusing on Jesus as king. And what that looks like. And how different that contrast is between what uh, a king here on earth is and what our king Jesus is. And some of those contrasts, I, I think we would see that a king, even there, there's some today still in existence uh, in some countries, they're very unapproachable, hard to get to. And, and they're all about being served, not as much about being, uh, serving themselves or not serving others. And so when we look at Jesus in this story, what we're going to be looking at is a king that's approachable, that's humble. That, that reaches out to those around him, that, that comes down to their level because he wants to be on the level of those who follow him. He wants to seek the lost. And so that's the king we're talking about this morning. And so it's really cool when we contrast that in, in this perspective of what a king should look like. Because our king looks different than any other king. And that's what we're going to be seeing in this story. I want you guys to turn to Mark chapter 11. You guys should already be there, you know. We're, we're following along. You just mark it after this week. You can mark it for next week. We're just going to continue right through this. We're Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. We're just going to read verses 1 through 7 to start this. And, uh, and we'll set the stage for what's going on. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Ooh. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They, uh, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. So the first part of the story, Jesus is getting ready to enter the capital city of Jerusalem. This is really, uh, as he's been traveling all throughout and healing people and serving others, and he's got his disciples with him, this is his, his entrance into Jerusalem, and this is his opportunity to, um, sorry, I lost my note. This is, this is him making a public claim to being Messiah and King there in Jerusalem. And so he's making his appearance to those in Jerusalem that have gathered for the Passover. He doesn't come in, again, as we picture a king, he doesn't come in on this mighty horse with armies following. Our king rides in on a donkey. Think about that. Think about the fact that our father, our king, our Jesus, goes into the city with everyone waiting for him, Everyone wants to see this promised king. And he's not riding in with a crown and a robe on this mighty horse with armies following him. He's riding in humbly on a donkey. I don't even know if that's something that 
we would allow ourselves to do is, well, I, that doesn't happen anymore, but if we could picture ourselves in a, in, or, or, or think of the president or someone of importance today, just think about what their mind would think if they're like, here, you're going you're gonna to go into the city on a donkey. They would not have the humility to be able to do that. But our king doesn't go in with all this pomp and circumstance and these armies. He goes in on a donkey. And he doesn't have armies and noblemen following him. He has disciples, fishermen, tax collector, doctor, among others, following him into the city. And so that's who our king is. That's how he enters Jerusalem. And so let's continue reading. Picking up in verse 8. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who follow shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So again... Jesus is entering the capital city of Jerusalem. He's riding in on the donkey. People are waiting for him. And as they're coming, all these folks that have gathered for the Passover feast have been waiting to see this king, the promised king. And as they see him, they're shouting Hosanna. And they've pulled these palm trees out and they're laying them before him. That's why on Sunday mornings before Easter, the week before, we're... The kids walk in with these palm trees because that was something they were doing to show homage to Jesus. Some of them are actually removing cloaks. Hopefully they had layers. And laying them at his feet. Because they wanted to welcome this king. And they're praising him, shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! The king who who has come from David. So they know he was in the lineage of David. So the reality is... We've got all these people, a huge crowd in Jerusalem to welcome this king. But the reality is, and this is what hit me, and, and there's a different part of this story, and we'll find it in, in Luke, and I'd like you guys to turn there, is that in the midst of all these people crying out and singing Hosanna and praising this king, it's actually a sad part of the story. And I don't know if I've ever gotten it, until this time as I've studied and, and tried to figure out how we're going to look at it this morning. I found something in Luke that I'd never read before. I'm sure some of you guys that are uh, really good at studying the Bible and have caught this before. But I had never caught it. And it actually was, it hit me pretty hard. And so one of the cool things we have in the Bible are we have the Gospels. And what I really like about the Gospels is that we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's accounts of what's happening in Jesus' life. So we don't just have one person's as they're going along with him and, and writing out this book of the happenings of Jesus. We've got four. And so a lot of times you're trying to wonder about the disconnect and who was where at what time because we hear all these different stories. And some go into more detail and some leave things out. And so what we've got with Luke is just that. Is that somehow what Mark portrayed the triumphal entry to be Luke takes it more in depth. And you had to have thought Luke was right there next to Jesus. Listening to the words that are coming out of his mouth. Seeing his emotion. Because what Luke lays out here is something that I had never seen before. Luke chapter 19. Verse 
starting in verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I never, when it comes to Palm Sunday, am picturing that. I'm always picturing the celebration and our kids walking in with the palm trees and, and this big celebration of Jesus coming to Jerusalem because we know what's coming. But never did I catch that before he enters the city, he stops and he looks over all these people waiting for him and he's broken. He weeps over them. They're looking for peace in the wrong things. They're not going to recognize him as the true king. The reality is that these folks see him. They see him as the king, the promised king. You can go back to Zechariah 9.9 and you can see the prophecy that talks about Jesus riding in on the donkey. This has been prophesied. They believe in the prophecy. They believe that he's the promised king to deliver them. The problem is they think he's a temporary king. That he's delivering them actually from the powers of Rome. That their lives are, are, their lives are hard there under the oppression of Rome. And they have believed that this king would come. This king that they've heard of doing these healings and serving others is going to come and deliver them from the powers of Rome. They're mistaken. They don't understand who he really is. And so Jesus understands this. He knows that their eyes will not see him for who he is. And he's weeping over the city of Jerusalem and all these people waiting to praise him. Because they don't get it and he knows they're not going to get it. For one, don't miss this. Our king is not one that wants to judge or condemn. He doesn't want to send anyone to hell. Our king is the one that stands there or sits there on this donkey and sees a whole city of people that won't get it, and it breaks them. And that's how he looks at us. That's how he looks at those that don't understand who he really is. Those that are lost. He's not ready to condemn them. He's ready to cry over them and help them understand, I'm right here. So these people, they're shouting, Hosanna. Because they believe they're about to be delivered from their own issues right there on earth. This has nothing to do with this eternal king that we know. And so they've missed it. A few days later, the people that are shouting Hosanna and laying out their cloaks for him, just a few days later, are going to be shouting, crucify him. The same people. 
Picture that. We have all these people there in Jerusalem welcoming the, this king, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're so excited to see him. And they're laying this stuff out, and everybody's welcoming him. And then the same people just a few days are saying, crucify him. Crucify him. The people who are laying out these branches are spitting on him just a few days later. That's crazy. It's because they were very much of a, what are you doing for me? What have you done for me lately? We see you as this king that's going to deliver us. Wait a second, that's not who you are? Crucify him. They couldn't see him for who he really was. Just a few days later. And so, as I was thinking about this, what hit me the most is, I feel like my life is too much like those people in Jerusalem in the way I see my king. And don't get me wrong, I, I believe that we all understand that this is an eternal king. This is not a temporary king. I believe that in my own life. But I still take on the same perspective in how I live. Do you know how many of my Sundays... Worship and praise is predicated on the week leading up to that Sunday. See, if I've got all my ducks in a row and my finances in order and the house has been at peace and my kids are healthy and everything's been good, it's so easy to come in here and take all these blessings and to sing to my eternal king and have praises. But at the same time, if my week has been in disarray and I'm under stress from my job, and the kids are unhealthy, and all these things have happened and taken place, and I just feel awful. I come in here, and it's so hard to motivate myself to even sing out. So many times I'm caught up on these temporary things, and that's where my worship lies. Things are good, great. I'm going to sing his name. I'm going to sing his praises. You know what? That doesn't mean we're not supposed to sing his praises when things are good. That's okay. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to be sad when things are hard. But the cool thing is, the, the, the thing that I was challenged by is that we don't have a temporary king. He's not just about fixing all these things on our daily, as we go day to day. He's an eternal king. That's why we praise him. We don't come here and sit here on Sunday morning and sing, you know what, I just got blessed financially. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You know what, we thank him, but that's not why I'm praising him on Sunday morning. That's not what should be getting me stirred up to emotion. But that is. <laughs> because we live here on this earth and we're so day-to-day -day with our emotions and how we feel. Things are good, great, praise God. Things are awful, you know what, I'm not yelling crucify him, but I surely am questioning his goodness sometimes. So I'm not the one saying put him on the cross, but I also, I am the one saying, why are you allowing this to happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to these people? We can look past all these day-to-day -day things and see who our true king is. No matter how bad our day is, no matter how good our day is, 
no matter what happens, when you, you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, our king is still on the throne. He's still there. He's eternal. It's not a temporary king. He's not who these folks in Jerusalem saw him to be. He was not going to go away. He was there eternally. Spoiler alert. He went to the cross. Just a few days later. He defeated sin and death. He rose again. And he tells us. We have this hope laid up for us. No matter how bad it gets, it's still the best day because we have an eternal king. On our worst days, we can praise. You know, you look at it like, I was thinking of the person, I always come back to this because I couldn't imagine uh, what this person went through, but the writer of It Is Well With My Soul. We know the story. He loses his wife and his son on a ship. They go down and are lost. And he finds it in himself to go write this song, It Is Well With My Soul. He turns his sorrows into rejoicing because he knows that he has an eternal king. That no matter how hard it gets, that he's never going to see his family again on earth, he's going to see them in eternity. And so he could turn it around. Your worst day is still better than anyone else that doesn't know Jesus because you have an eternity waiting for you. So when you come here on Sunday morning, it's not like, Okay, Jesus, what have you done for me lately? Well, things are good, so now I'm going to sing out. It's not, oh, shoot, life's been so hard. I've been struggling with these things, and I just, I just don't feel it. No, every day is the same. You wake up, and our king is on the throne. You go to sleep, our king is on the throne. You have a bad day, our king is on the throne. You have a good day, our king is on the throne. You, you lose a family member because of cancer, our king is on the throne. Someone hurts you to your core, and our king is still on the throne. So no matter what goes on, in your happiness and your sadness, our king is still on the throne. We serve an eternal king, not one that goes away. So again, it's okay to praise him for those good things to come, and it's okay, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad about the things that are hard. But at the end of the day, we still praise him because we have an eternal king. Not one that's ready to condemn us with our struggles, but one that's ready to welcome us. Take us in. How cool is that? No matter what happens, we always have the hope of eternity. I mean, there's so many things in life that we don't understand. And they could just be small little illnesses or, or, or frustrations or hurt relationships. They could be big things, like I said, like losing someone to cancer, losing our job. 
our, our child, you know, going the wrong way. Those things can hurt us to our core. But if we truly are seeing Christ how we should see him, if we're overwhelmed by what he's done for us, if, if we're praising and singing praises and, and shouting praises for the reason we should be, then we can overcome because our king's still on the throne. And so when you sing in a few minutes, we're not going to be singing because you had a good week. We're singing because we have a king who went to the cross and says, no matter what happens, guess what? I'm going to be waiting for you when you get through all of this. Your king is going to throw you into his, he's going to hold you in his arms. Not throw you. I don't want to scare anybody. He's not doing that. He's going to hold you in his arms. He's going to welcome you and he's going to say, you know, all that good and bad that's happened, you're here now. It's all over. Because your king that's on the throne is ready to welcome you here now. So it's really cool that we don't just do uh, church on Sundays. We've had these small groups. And small group really challenged me this week. It has this whole, this whole year. And I, it took me further in this challenge. We were talking about, for one, it was, we're doing the crazy love. This is my third time through it. And it's really exciting because a, a few of the people in this have, have never gone through this. And I just love how Francis Chan um, puts in perspective our, our discipleship, our following Christ. And this week it was specifically on the crazy love of God and what he does for us. And I love it because Francis has this ability to be emotional. And obviously I connect with emotion. Um, and he's talking about our king right before he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he's describing him talking to his father, saying, take this cup from me. And he's anxious, and he's, he's, so, he's sweating, and he's sweating drops of blood. He has such a physical reaction to this anxiety that he's sweating drops of blood, and he's begging God to take this cup from me. That's a real king on earth that went to the cross. And it was so cool when I see that. You, you just imagine not just what Jesus went through, but what God did to say, I'm going to send my son to be the king here. And uh, he's going to go to the cross. And here's my son begging me to deliver him. Here's my son begging me to keep him from that. How could any of us, if we were put in the same position, see our son begging us, to, to not make him go through all this horrible pain. And it's not just the physical pain. He was taking on the weight of the world, the sin, the guilt, the shame. He was taking it on himself. And God's looking down and he knows this is the only way. And Jesus is saying, take this cup from me. But yet, they were both faithful to us. Because there was no other way. And so, the, the, the thought came up. Okay, so there's all these people that don't know this. There's all these that are lost, that, that haven't heard the truth, or they've heard the truth and they don't understand it. And so our discussion was, how do we reach them? And I'll be honest with you, 
I may be a little different, but I'm not big into throwing God in people's face and scaring them with hell and damnation and all these things. I, I, I don't want to scare people into loving God. I don't want to scare them away by saying, this is who you should believe in. This is the only way. I want them to see it. I can't change people. <laughs> only God can. And so the discussion was, how do we reach them? And I'm a big believer in letting my life reflect Christ and giving myself opportunities to be able to tell them why. And I think that's something that we really struggle with. I will illustrate that point by telling you a story of my own stupidity, which you guys know I, I have probably too many of them. Three years ago, when, uh, or three years ago, Kara's parents wanted to take us to Hawaii. And this uh, a trip I would never be able to afford to go on myself. And so when we were in Hawaii with the whole family, my favorite thing to do was snorkel. In Hawaii, it was beautiful. I mean, we saw all kinds of fish, swimming with sea turtles, eels, all of these things. And so I would do that for most of the week, as much as we could. Colin even got out there with me. And, uh, and my brother-in-law, Mark, had this video camera. It's called a GoPro. I don't know if you guys have heard of those. Uh, but they're for action, underwater, things like that. They have this, you hold it, and it's up here. Uh, and so he spent the whole week videoing all of our snorkeling adventures uh, on this GoPro. And every, as tradition, like every night after we were done, as we were chilling, we'd watch these videos of the things we were seeing. And it was beautiful. It was so cool. We were able to, I mean, it's crystal clear, for one. And so every night we're like, oh, we saw that. It was so cool. And so I was jealous. I wanted an opportunity to be able to take this video camera and do my own footage. And so, like, I'm not going to say anything. Can I use your camera? Uh, so I'm waiting. And finally, last day, Mark's like, oh, hey, Tim, you're going out snorkeling. You want to use the camera? I'm like, yes, finally. Here's my opportunity. I'm going to have the best footage ever. And so when I went out there, it was like God was like, here you go. Fish we hadn't seen all week were right there in front of us. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm getting this footage. Uh, an eel did some of the craziest things I'd, well, the, only, the craziest thing I'd ever seen. I'd seen eels earlier in the week, but this one was darting in and out and like ate something. And I'm like videotaping this. I'm swimming with sea turtles and I'm like right under them. I'm like talking Discovery Channel footage. And I cannot wait for the family to see this footage. And so it's like 15, 20 minutes. And I go hand it back to Mark with pride. Like he's going to watch it tonight. And he's going to be like, this is the best stuff of the week. And so that night it was late, so we didn't watch it. So I handed it over to him. And so I, I go to breakfast, and I'm just waiting to hear back from him on this. And he's kind of laughing when I walk up to him. I'm like, well, that's weird. But So did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it, Tim. I'm like, okay, so it was awesome, right? He's like, well, um, it depends on what you think is awesome. Oh, like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, you had the camera flip the whole time. And all we got was 15 minutes of your face. Like, <laughs> look at that. Discovery Channel is not going to show that. 
and I feel like that's kind of like us. We feel like I'm going to go show Christ in my life. I'm going to show the beauty of Christ the way I live. Here you go. Here's my footage of Christ through my life. And in reality, a lot of times, all I'm showing is myself. My own issues. My own struggles. How many times do we have an opportunity to show Christ in the midst of frustrations? It might be at work, it might be with family, it might be at church, neighbors. And we miss that opportunity because we are still too focused on what affects us and not focused on that eternal king. It's the same thing as praising him, serving him. Are we motivated to serve this king because he saved us? Is that what impacts us on a daily basis? Is that what helps me reflect Christ? Or am I just caught up too much on the day-to-day, this temporary things, looking at my temporary king, looking to fix all these issues? The band can come back up here. So I want to leave you with this challenge before we come and take the bread and the cup, and which is an awesome opportunity. I love the fact that after we get done talking about these things, that we can stop and look at the cross and the sacrifice that was made for us and, and look at our own lives and come before him and say, I'm sorry for how I've lived. I'm sorry that I've reflected myself more than I've reflected you. And I'm sorry I haven't viewed you as this eternal king, but too often I've looked at you as the king of right now. The king that can fix this issue, or this issue, or this issue. And not the king that has already fixed it. The king that has already taken care of it. You know what? My son, if he dies this week, that would wreck my life. But at the end of the day, I should still be able to praise my king because he's still on the throne. He's still there. No matter what happens, I'm going to be able to praise my king. Father God, just thank you so much for making this sacrifice for us on our behalf, Lord. Thank you that you (laughs) endure with us and that you are so full of grace and mercy that you look at us all the time and you give us that hope that we will be able to be with you in eternity, Lord. Just thank you for that sacrifice made and we praise you and we love you in your name.
No matter what happens in our lives, we always have hope. Always. That's something to sing and praise forever. Okay? So tomorrow night, women, I'm looking forward to singing praises with you guys. Get the guys out of here. We'll come here tomorrow night and sing praises together. Have a great week. Hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.